For far too long, work in environmental conservation and economic development has happened in silos. We need to make decisions at the ecosystem level so that we can understand the delicate connections between natural resources, landscapes and people. Ecological and social systems are dynamic, but only well-functioning ecosystems can provide the services societies rely on. Nature-based solutions recognize this equation and offer a different paradigm one that integrates developmental goals, ecosystem restoration, and climate action. They involve a wide range of actors, governments, financial institutions, philanthropies, project development agencies, as well as farmers, producers, and local communities. But these negotiations are complex. So what can we learn from the people working to bridge this divide? Welcome to Second Nature, a new look at India's climate future, a podcast series on the possibilities of nature-based solutions in India. This series is produced by the India Climate Collaborative and Edelgib Foundation Alliance. In this six-part series, we speak to practitioners, experts, leaders from the private sector and funders to find out how nature-based solutions can play a role in the goals that lie ahead of us climate action, community resilience, resource security, and biodiversity conservation. And we ask the important question, what kind of collaboration and investment do we need to scale these solutions? Episode two, thinking like an ecosystem. Breaking silos requires people with different priorities to align on a common goal. In this episode, we ask who are the stakeholders currently invested in NBS across the country? How do they work together? What are their hopes and challenges? We learn of the integral importance of collaboration in fostering this new paradigm. Today, the funding landscape for nature-based solutions is made up of public, private, and philanthropic actors. The India Climate Collaborative and Edelgib Foundation's report, India Advancing with Nature, the Current State of Play of Nature-Based Solutions, says that globally, public funding is the largest driver of NBS, contributing around 86% of total NBS financing. The private sector's contribution remains minimal at 14% globally, and this trend holds true for India as well. Shloka Nath is the acting CEO of the ICC. A majority of nature-based initiatives are actually undertaken by government agencies. Public sector funds essentially form the largest chunk of this pie, right? Like either through budgetary or non-budgetary funds. And this is because of the interconnectedness of nature-based solutions with developmental objectives, like livelihoods, job creation, food security, and poverty alleviation. The monetary support here is either directly allocated through budgets, such as funds from the central government that are directed towards national missions, schemes, and programs, 
or from non-budgetary channels such as contracts, levies and grants from national and global funds, and aid from bilateral and multilateral agencies. However, these efforts are not enough because public sector allocations are constrained and insufficient for financing India's NBS goals for 2030 and 2050. Given the very finite nature of public sector outlays, this is actually not sufficient to meet the the kind of scale we require for resourcing uh, nature-based solutions. And so it's very obvious that public financing can't do this alone. What about funding from the private sector? In India, these funds either come from corporate social responsibility projects, CSR, or from initiatives that align with business operations. There is great potential to unlock funding here. And recent pressure for companies to do more has been coming in both from government policies and from consumers. Businesses do engage with nature-based solutions through their operations, you know, either through the commitments that they're making or through their supply chains primarily by prioritizing very responsible sourcing and production. So they do look to engage local and small-scale farming communities to supply their raw materials. But when these involve irresponsible sourcing or production, they can cause more harm than promised good. For example, a company demanding extremely tight production windows could trigger hurried and unsustainable harvesting from suppliers at the ground level. However, the fault lines are not always this clear. A report by the CII-ITC Center of Excellence for Sustainable Development in 2020 found that corporates also face challenges such as poor legislation and a lack of resources or infrastructure that keep them from integrating sustainable practices into their business operations. A second challenge with private funding in India lies in corporate social responsibility. Globally, CSR is a management concept where companies integrate social and environmental concerns in their business operations. However, in India, CSR largely refers to charitable projects that businesses invest in outside of their core sectors. CSR was mandated into law in 2014, requiring companies to give a minimum of 2% of their net profits to social and environmental causes. And of course, there are different causes that corporates can choose to give under CSR or within CSR based on the data that we found, out of the top 100 companies on the BSE, the Bombay Stock Exchange, 39 of those have spent their CSR funds on activities that are aligned with land-based, nature-based solutions. So things like afforestation or sustainable agriculture, as well as agroforestry. But there are some drawbacks, and I do want to be sort of clear about this, that a large chunk of the spending under the environment category actually goes to tree plantation projects. And they're not always implemented correctly. They don't always consider local communities as well as ecosystem characteristics. And you can have a set of unintended outcomes as a result. There are challenges to accessing CSR funding for NBS. For example, if we talk about a plantation, a cashew plantation, or let's say a a mango plantation, it will start yielding economically. It may start yielding from third year, but uh, economic returns will come to you in year five onwards for the next 10 or 15 years. So loans or funding has to match those kinds of cash flows, which is absent at the moment is absent. These investments require capital assets also, asset funding. And most financing these days is into short-term working capital. So neither banks give it nor are other agencies designed to give it. 
This is Emmanuel Murray from Caspian Impact Investment Advisors, which is an investment firm working with equity investments and debt funding in the impact space. Impact is broadly defined as solving problems for the bottom of the pyramid. Emmanuel's work is focused on driving private funding for NBS. He says impact is measured through a wide range of metrics, like how many jobs are created, whether labor is fairly compensated, and whether employees get social welfare benefits, such as insurance and decent work hours. How many women were covered or how many acres under cultivation or how much the business grew. We look for businesses that have a larger mission and a mandate and are committed to it and have a potential for growth. To illustrate how impact investment can support nature-based action, Emmanuel tells us about a company that Caspian funded. Which sells low-cost or moderately priced hand tools for farmers to use as labor-saving machines, so bush cutters and weeders and those sort of things. So this company from a turnover of under a crore, today has touched about uh, 30 to 40 crore with just debt funding. So this company has multiplied its business uh, manifold with funding from us. These tools help improve the efficiency of the harvesting process, saving time and improving farmer incomes. Impact financing, however, is not a space free of challenges yet. And Emmanuel believes that more needs to be done. You know, impact finance is a very dicey space. A lot of the institutions that impact organizations work with are still risk averse and prefer easier sectors to operate in, which provide quick, easily quantifiable returns and established theories of change. There is sectors like microfinance which can absorb any amount of capital and you can grow your balance sheet as much as you want and say that is impact. But if you want to do something different, the risks are very, very high. Opportunities that are otherwise not attracting adequate funds. So that is the dilemma that we have in spaces like, let's say, education, healthcare. So we've tried and done things funding projects which have a huge multiplier effect. For example, funding a college in a rural area for uh, the poor. When you see the first generation of graduates coming out of that college, tremendous, it's tremendous. So, so those are the kind of projects that we need. Many times, I think the risks scare uh, people, including our institution, to minimally take exposure in those. So we'll do some 10% so that even if half of that fails, it doesn't hit our balance sheet of books. The India Climate Collaborative Edelgive Foundation Alliance report finds that philanthropic funding can support government and business actors to address gaps in NBS financing. These funds from domestic and international foundations, family offices, and high net worth individuals can serve as a catalyst by unlocking and enabling more funding to flow into nature-based solutions. Here's Shloka again. We can cater to the long timescales of funding and commitment, which are required by these land-based projects. That's one big sort of plus point, really, for philanthropy. But it also 
keeps in mind the mandate of welfare for people and biodiversity at its core. Dr. Ravi Babu is the general manager of the Farm Sector Development Department of the National Bank of Agriculture and Rural Development, or NABAD. Ever since its inception in 1982, NABAD has been promoting sustainable and equitable agricultural and rural development through participative financial and non-financial interventions, innovation and technology. Dr. Babu talks about a natural farming project in Andhra Pradesh in which he observed grants being used for uh, training the entrepreneurs or the self-help groups or FPOs, farmer producer organizations. They are provided funds, say, for example, a bio-input resource center or seed supply unit. So they are provided funds to have those kind of investments. Inspired by this community-managed natural farming project, Dr. Babu tells us about another project that NABAD launched in February 2022 called Jiva. The principles of Jiva are to promote sustainable agroecology as a way to build farmer resilience to climate change and promote food and nutritional security. The program will operate across 11 states covering five agroecological zones. NABAD aims to scale up the Jiva initiative to more states through its Natural Resources Management or NRM project, which is an umbrella that creates livelihood opportunities, increases farm incomes, and enhances agricultural value chains through investments in rural businesses and the sustainable use of natural resources. And it hopes to do this by replicating the grant and CSR-based funding model, which has been used previously in the Natural Resource Management program. This sort of partnership demonstrates the scale and vision that become possible when financial instruments come together. For this particular program, we have our own uh, grant support. In fact, uh, we have been collaborating with many CSR foundations. Roughly about 125 crores of rupees has been uh, so far channelized from CSR foundations for our uh, natural resource management initiatives. Say a project is costing about uh, say 5 crores. then uh, we will be supporting entire uh, expenditure as grant on a selective basis and the csr foundations will be requested to support the add on activities for example some capacity building initiatives sanitation healthcare which are not covered under regular and education infrastructure in the schools in the project villages we have also implemented one uh, under indo german cooperation uh, one particular uh, program that was named as umbrella program for natural resource management we had a rich experience of providing grant come loan support for nrm initiatives all these things are uh, taken into account to the extent possible we are trying to channelize funds we are trying to source the funds uh, from uh, international and uh, national level uh, donors in india bilateral and multilateral funding have helped catalyze the scale of nature-based action for almost two decades now. One great case example of bilateral collaboration is the CAFRI project. CAFRI, or Climate Adaptation and Finance in Rural India, is a part of Indo-German cooperation between the Ministry of Environment, Forest and Climate Change and GIZ, the German Development Agency. Established in 2020, this project is also funded by the German Ministry of Economic Cooperation, or the BMZ. This project aims to build adaptive capacity in the state of Uttar Pradesh with a special focus on gender. To do this, a partnership has been created between the state government, local self-governments or panchayats and the Department of Environment, Forest and Climate Change to build something called risk-integrated village planning. 
So one of the important focus area, as I said, is gender responsive participatory adaptation planning and implementation at the local level. How do we globalize implementation of the priority areas identified under the state action plan on climate change? This is Kirti Manawasti, a senior policy advisor at GIZ India. When we say localize, that means improving the participation of the communities, of the local governance institutions, the village panchayatiraj institutions. And in order to do that, what are the appropriate participation formats and procedures that will ensure local ownership and also improve the capacities of the different community groups for adaptation planning. And when we look at this particular aspect, that allows us to bring this focus prominently on the nature-based solutions or ecosystem-based approaches to adaptation. And this actually has helped us to engage a lot with the communities on ground while looking at solutions, local solutions based on their specific need. Another interesting case of multi-stakeholder collaboration is the Green Climate Fund or GCF, a fund that was set up to support developing countries in their transition to low-carbon climate-resilient pathways. Nabad is the national implementing entity of the GCF in India. Here's Ravi Babu from Nabad. GCF has been gaining wider importance for maintaining climate ambition and safeguarding vulnerable livelihoods in the context of COVID-19. The GCF supports two major nature-derived projects in India, which rely on natural low-carbon sources to fulfill energy requirements. One is for solar rooftop power generation with rooftop units. And second one is a massive restoration of uh, tanks in Orissa, along with the solar pump sets, uh, also micro-irrigation. So the NBS projects of GCF are fostering uh, climate resilience and mitigation, biodiversity, microclimate regulation and air quality improvement, flood irrigation and coastal resilience. This is the kind of collaboration and finance that plays a critical role in supporting India's ambitious climate goals. I can recall the discussions uh, during the COP26 at Glasgow last year in November 2021, where the countries emphasize a lot on the nature-based solutions and mobilizing additional financing, which is needed for supporting nature-based approaches to climate adaptation, climate mitigation, and disaster risk reduction. And that actually, that is where the role of bilateral agencies, bilateral cooperation agencies, or multilateral cooperation agencies become important. If we want to accelerate NBS in India, there's another important factor that we need to reconsider. Risk. We need to reimagine the way we understand, assess, and quantify risk when investing in nature-based action. For example, First-generation entrepreneurs are often ineligible for formal credit due to their lack of experience or assets to provide as collateral. And this can severely hamper the inclusive spirit and innovation necessary for climate action. But it's not always easy for funding institutions to offer credit that is traditionally less secure and for longer timeframes than they are conventionally used to. One way to revolutionize the way we perceive risk is through partnership. Here's Sandeep Roy from VNV Advisory, a group that facilitates climate change and sustainability programs. So there's collaboration on the policy side. There's collaboration on the delivery side, I think. 
and collaboration on the investment side because people can come together is actually de-risks everybody, right? If I'm allowed to co-invest with somebody which we like, actually, why not? And because it de-risks all of our funds, et cetera, et cetera. So I think collaboration is really important. So that's the whole difference about how risk is managed, you know, either as a system or as people, you know. So that is what vanishes when you build a formidable partnership because then the markets come to you, ideas come to you, the research comes to you. The risk just vanishes on its own. That was Satya Tripathi from the Global Alliance for a Sustainable Planet. A great example of bringing people, the public and the private sector together is a platform called NatureVest, which is the in-house impact investment arm of the Nature Conservancy, a global environmental organization. Dr. Anapurna Vancheshwaran, the Managing Director of the Nature Conservancy in India, tells us more about this global platform. One of the best examples of how we have brought together people and public and private sector is a sustainable debt work that we did. I just wanted to share with you that we recently closed a $364 million transaction, and this was in Belize where we worked with the government on a plan to restructure their debt, secure new financing for them, and make legally binding conservation commitments. They also were required to work with capital markets through different banks, and the US government was also involved with it through its Development Finance Corporation. And hence, you know, this has been a story which could be, which is rid with success. The effort here was to create long-term sustainable financing for conservation and lock-in commitment to protect 30% of Belize's marine ecosystem, along with other measures. This project lasted for 20 years, and the real impact will take an additional 20 years to manifest. Nature-based solutions are slow but steady. And it is precisely because nature-based solutions take time that investment should reach the communities at the heart of the work. There has to be a mechanism whereby uh, more of the funding moves quickly to grassroots institutions who work closer with communities on the ground. And that could be the difference. But this new way means an overhaul in our thinking. We need to reimagine risk, leverage more collaborative funding, and build a patient stock of long-term capital to see these solutions to fruition. In our next episode, we follow practitioners of nature-based projects to learn about their work with rural communities and the power of putting people first. Thanks to Dr. Anupurna Vancheshwaran, Emmanuel Mari, Kirtiman Awasti, Dr. Ravi Babu, Sandeep Roy, Satya Tripathi, and Shloka Nath. This podcast is produced by the India Climate Collaborative Edelgib Foundation Alliance. For more information on the India Climate Collaborative and its work on nature-based solutions, or to read a copy of the report, please visit indiaclimatecollaborative.org. 
or follow the ICC on LinkedIn at India Climate Collaborative.